you are the VP of construction uh, for an owner and your team has come to you with a recommendation to adopt a technology. How do you go about evaluating the new software and technology? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Beyond Deadlines podcast, where we tackle challenges that planning and schedule leaders come across on a daily basis. My name is Micah Pipo, and I'm the planning and scheduling manager for Intel. Hi, everyone. I'm Surab. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Doxel AI. We are an artificial intelligence and computer vision company, and we use cameras to automate progress tracking on construction so that problems never snowball into concerns and folks can take proactive action to keep their projects on schedule and on budget. Each podcast is designed to give you strategies and tactics that you can implement right away. Today, Sarab is on the hot seat and we're talking about how to implement technology. Sarab, are you ready? Ready to go. The seat feels right. hot. <laughs> it's going to get hotter. <laughs> You are the VP of construction uh, for an owner, and your team has come to you with a recommendation to adopt a technology. How do you go about evaluating the new software and technology? Yeah, so I think the first thing that I would ask is, what value does it provide? And that might seem like a very, very simple question, um, but I would ask that question, and I would also ask who in my team has validated that it'll provide that value, right? Because oftentimes what I found as a VP of construction is that the folks who are intended to use a piece of software aren't even involved in the evaluation process. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me let me jump in right there because value is one of those words. It, it's almost like synergy. It's easy to say, but hard to define. So what, when you start looking at the different types of value or how you roll up value, can you provide a little more definition on that? Yeah, so I think at the end of the day, every business is a business is a business. Every business has revenue coming in, costs that go out, and free cash flow that's generated at the end of it. And typically, as a VP of construction, what I want to see is which of these does this software impact? How does it impact it? And how big is that value? This is often called a business case. I, uh, sh I shied away from using that term because uh, I've seen things called business cases that aren't actually business cases. But a great business case is something that says, just as a quick example, um, I don't know, we're in a labor constrained environment. We need, uh, you know, we typically find 15% of the time that we don't have labor that we really need. We want to acquire this piece of software that, I don't know, maybe is a labor marketplace and that we think could uh, help us fill this labor, you know, 40, 50% of the time. That's going to have this much impact on our capability to hit schedule, which will have this much impact on reducing our liquidated damages. So something like that, like a rigorous business case. Uh, and it, it, you, it doesn't have to be complicated. It just has to be rigorous, right? Uh, the best business cases are the ones where you can explain the value with like three or four variables, A times B times C times D equals E. Uh, and if it gets more complicated than that, it's usually not worth it. Um, but yeah, I would start off with what's the value, what's the business case, and were the people who are actually going to use the software involved um, involved in that evaluation? So that's what I would start with. Uh, there's other questions I would ask beyond that. But 
Yeah. Let's say this environment, you're the VP of construction, but it's one of those organizations where it's more of a democracy of decision at your peer levels. So yeah. uh, you probably experienced this before, even yeah. though you are the VP of construction, you may not have final say in whether this technology goes forward. Mm -hmm. Let's start with that as a framework to go into the next question of what are you looking for your team that's going to help you also align with the other stakeholders? Yeah, so I think, um, let me zoom out a little bit and let's segment technology into two buckets, right? So one is very, very disruptive new type of technology that helps solve a problem that hasn't traditionally been solved with software. Okay. So that problem has been solved through other means like manual or whatever, but it's not been solved with software. Uh, decisions by democracy are kind of worthless there because uh, what tends to happen is, you know, the, the logical answer, if it, if it ain't broke, why fix it? So I think in those yeah. cases, democracy doesn't actually work by definition. If a company is trying to do something different, if they're trying to take a leap forward, um, I think the VP of construction or someone in the org has to develop enough conviction to say, I know this sounds crazy, but I think we should go do it anyway and make sure at least that the users of the software uh, are on board. I think for other decisions, which are software acquisition decisions for software that has been used in the past, I definitely think democracy is a very powerful instrument to make sure that it aligns with everyone's needs. Um, so what I would look for as a VP of construction based on the recommendation that my team has come to me with is who voted yes, who voted no, what were the reasons behind that? And then what, you know, the reasons behind, uh, some folks saying no or yes, are those, are those reasons truly, uh, impactful on the value that we are hoping the software will provide. And if it's not, then move forward. And if it is, then stay back you know, um, from a cultural standpoint, I've typically found allowing everyone to voice their opinion on that and the VP of construction kind of speaking last tends to help. Um, that's, that's yeah. my experience on so leader tending to speak last. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, I, I think it does. Well, let's double click since you, uh, are the CEO of Doxel, which is an innovative technology company. Let's not do the software type angle. Let's dive into this. It's a new disruptive technology type angle. It, and let's go down a layer into, uh, they've brought you this business case. Let's say you've approved it with the budget you had, you know, you've done a, a, a pilot. Well, actually let's, let me take a step back there. Once you approve it, how would you, uh, go out to make sure this is successful? What's, what, what's your, what's your framework on that? Yeah. So let, let's talk about that. So I mentioned only one of the things that I would look at as a VP of construction, uh, which is value and that's. Very, very important, obviously, in a disruptive piece of technology, which is like new, but I, I'm not going to approve it without looking at a few other things. And this is like super, yeah. super important um, to look at. I think the zero interest in interest rate environment of the last decade kind of introduced some bad habits in software, okay? Uh, in software acquisition and in software sales as well, where it was like, here's this amazing value. Here's everything that can be done with it. And you know what? All of those things are true, except that. Oftentimes those software tools take months to implement and take several resources on the customer's side to actually go deliver that value. And um, 
I was actually shocked. I was having lunch with the VP of construction the other day, and he was telling me about uh, this software tool that they just acquired, which takes six months to implement, and they're piloting it on a project that's like a year long. And I was like, great, okay, great, so for six months, months, we're not going to implement this thing, and you're going to use it for just six months. One, you're not going to develop yeah. enough conviction at the end of it that it actually solves your problem. Two, your team is going to invest dozens of resources, several hours in getting this thing to work, all for not having enough time to actually try the software out. So speed of implementation is a critical, critical evaluation metric um, for any piece of software today. And now that we're not in the zero interest in rate environment, now that money is not free, resources are not free. Yeah. Second is how many resources does it actually need on the customer's side to get that technology up and running? And if I'm a VP of construction, and I recommend this to any VP of construction that's listening to this pod, um, ask, ask the company for references, right? Like, do you have customer references that I can actually talk to so I can get a sense of how fast your implementation really is um, and how many resources you need? Because I'm sold on the value, right? I get it. Yeah. But how fast is it to implement and how many resources do I need? So that's the other piece that I would look at. Once I approve that, um, how do I actually, your question was, how do I actually go about making sure that the pilot was successful? I think it well, comes if back. You, if you do a pilot, I guess, let's let's take a little step back and talk about, sure. I mean, pilot seems natural, but let's get really down in the weeds here. You know, what kind of pilot, what does it look like Time frame, Or if you're that convicted in what we talked about before on time of implementation thing, do you maybe skip a pilot? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so something that I've observed and, uh, you know, if I'm a VP of construction, what I would do is say, what's the goal of the pilot? And typically the goal of the pilot is to ensure that a vendor can say what they claim they can do, right? Um, and I would actually just write that down, right? Test these capabilities. And this is what the, this is how we're going to test it. This is what the criteria will be. Um, I'm, I'm going to state the obvious, but I think it needs to be said. Every pilot needs to have a goal. And that goal just needs one to be, goal? Just one goal? Or do you have multiple goals? It can be one goal with multiple bullets below that that okay. attain that goal, right? Like that that's fine. But every pilot needs to be done for a specific reason. And that specific reason could be we want to vet if we get this value, because if we do, we would like to deploy this to these many projects or this part of our portfolio. And something that I've often seen is um, folks on the procurement side kind of wanting to do a pilot without being necessarily as deliberate about what they want to get out of the pilot, not holding the vendor accountable to attaining certain success metrics, not being rigorous in tracking whether those success metrics are being attained. And honestly, you may as well not do a pilot then and save the money, right? Because it's a waste of time yeah. and resources for everyone. Um, so that's what I would do, like rigorous success metrics mapped back to that business case with regular check-ins with the vendor and a clear end goal uh, on what happens after the pilot, if that pilot is successful, because that helps the team. Uh, if I'm a VP of construction, that's going to help my team yeah. prioritize how important is this, right? If, it, if it's something we're looking at for one or two projects, you know, we're probably going to not we're probably not going to prioritize it as much, but if it's something we're looking at enterprise wide, um, we probably want to be more thoughtful on tracking those success metrics and signaling to that vendor early on if they're not hitting it. Um, so that at the end of the pilot, 
the vendor is ideally successful because if the vendor is successful, assuming that the business case was good and was strong, if the vendor is successful, the company becomes successful, right? Like, right. So, so that's yeah, what I, I really like. I really like how you went and uh, set up those basically almost an if then statement, you know, where if the company does X, Y, Z, then we're going to move forward and do ABC. And if you can communicate that early enough, you don't get, I've implemented quite a few bits of technology. If you don't get that crystal clear, then when you get to the end of that pile, it's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, what do you do? Do you do another project? Do we not do another project? Oh, then it just turns into complete chaos. So I love how you frame that kind of almost in a if then, and that's a little bit easier to communicate and get more people on board with. Yeah, and it trans, turns into, trans, oh, go ahead. just real quick, it turns into chaos because everybody had a set of unarticulated needs from the pilot or wishes from the pilot that weren't articulated at the start of the pilot. So at the end, it's sort of like, hmm, I don't know. Well, why don't you know, right? Like, what did you want this thing to do that it didn't actually do? And that's where thinking of that and being deliberate about that upfront with success criteria gives a, a company the best opportunity to succeed because if their vendor succeeds, they succeed, right? And which is why I started yeah. off with, every pilot's got to have a goal and people yeah. forget that. So anyway. Yeah. Well, that's why I asked one goal or multiple goals. Cause I've seen it gone a little out of hand where a vendor comes in to do something on a pilot and people list out 12 things, 15 things. And then all of a sudden it's this kitchen sink or unattainable goal. Then you get to the end pilot and like, well, you did two, six, eight, and four, but not one, you know, five, three. And then it, well, was that a success? Did it, achieve it because the the definition of success is so broad and amb ambiguous you know so i think that's an interesting so, approach super, super quick point on that something i've seen um our customers be successful with is um is uh phasing right where like in phase one i want you to attain these things in phase two i want you to attain these things and so on and so forth and my advice to any customer who's looking to acquire disruptive technology is Put the things that you're most skeptical of a software tool achieving in phase one. De-risk yourself as a customer yeah. as quickly as you can before you move to phase two. Oh, that's perfect. Let's transition a little bit more into then the, you've passed your pilot phase and now we're getting into implementation. How do you tackle the interesting thing that happens in construction where in, in, I would say other industries, you have a team of people, they never change. It's one team at one company, you implement the software and then it'll roll on in forever. But in your previous example, you mentioned, oh, it's a 12 month project. They're piloting for six months. All those people are going to different projects as well too. And then you're rolling to another team and it's almost that entire organization, which is all dispersed and all different and working on slightly different projects. How do you how do you handle that as the VP of construction to get that kind of critical mass of people all moving in one direction? So, um, I don't know if I'm the right person to to answer this question because our software takes two weeks to implement, and typically we get sixty to eighty percent usage from the target users in like the first three or four weeks after implementation, about ninety ninety five percent usage two months in. But maybe there's a lesson there, and um, I think if software takes a very long time for people to adopt, that's a signal that the software 
does not fit into a workflow that's that exists on the site right now. Um, and I would put that in the, I'm, I'm not going to say that, that those software tools are not useful, but I would put that in the camp of, you know, I would put that in the moonshot camp that, hey, if I'm able to get my team to adopt this new way of thinking of things and so on and so forth, these are all the things they could go to with it. Um, I found success stories there to be quite rare, right? Like I've usually found software tools being successful if they slip into an existing workflow, start building on that workflow and then introduce the, the, the full grand vision, right? Um, like as a quick example of a software tool that I think did this very well was uh, PlanGrid, right? Um, I mean, PlanGrid oh, yeah. slipped into an existing workflow, which is blueprint looking looking at blueprints they put it on an ipad and then they did all kinds of other things with that right like collaboration and like tagging people and etc cetera, etc cetera, built on that but they slipped into an existing workflow and i think that any software tool that um doesn't slip into an existing workflow especially in construction where teams come together and teams leave yeah. in my experience is not a software tool that tends to be successful in the field of construction right yeah, that makes that makes so complete that's a red sense. Flag. If a VP sees that that the software tool is not being used, that that's that's a red flag. I would say, think, tread lightly. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I'm sure there's loads of metrics and data you can pull on whether it's actually being adopted and utilized uh, in the field and on site and with the right individuals as well. Okay. Well, let's let's go. You've done the input. We'll take this. We'll take this all the way full cycle. You've done the implementation. Uh, it's now kind of gained that critical mass point. How do you take that new disruptive technology and make it the way? And then on top of that, how are you then looking at then what is the next thing that comes on top of it? Are there any strategies or frameworks that you, you would use to go, you know, take that next step up the ladder? Yeah. So the first thing I would do is, um, if, if this pilot, that this fictitious pilot we're talking about lands up being successful. I would literally take the business case. I would have my team take the business case, map out which parts of that business case this software tool succeeded in, which parts it didn't. Ideally with numbers, not too many numbers because that gets overwhelming, but a couple of key data points to quantify it. Uh, and then what I've seen be successful is where the project team and the vendor present to a broader group. Um, and then it tends to be organic, right? Like if, if the, if the journey to acquire the software is delivered well, if it's rigorous, uh, my experience has been that, um, folks in the portfolio want to adopt it. The point at which software tools don't spread within a portfolio and the point at which you see a lot of kind of push from someone senior on software to be adopted when you, when you see that. It, it usually happens because other folks in the portfolio either don't buy into the value or don't believe the tool can deliver it. So I think that's the key thing in communicating that the process to acquire this technology was rigorous, where there was a business case that was built and two, the software tool showed on at least one project or five projects that it could actually deliver it. Right. And then what I see usually is there's organic adoption from a portfolio versus a push from, you know, um, someone up top. 
Um, so short answer to your question is uh, it all starts with making that business case really well, defining the pilot success criteria really well, and transparently showing those results to the whole portfolio. And that typically leads to organic adoption. And if it doesn't, that's a red flag as well. Yeah, absolutely. So Rob, we're coming to the end of the 20 minute mark. Where can people find Doxel uh, and where they can they find you and hear more about the great things you and your company is doing? Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, you, you can find us at doxel.ai. Um, that's AI for um, that's AI as an in artificial intelligence. And um, how, how can you learn more about us? Well, we've got a get a demo link on our website. So just uh, you know, ask us for a demo if you like. And um, where can folks find me? Well, I'm usually out in the field, either speaking to our customers or I'm out at trade shows or doing podcasts. Um, I'm pretty accessible. So, you know, I'm happy. I, I'd love to chat more about Docile to anyone who's interested in doing that. Um, and then outside of that, you know, the other thing that I'd recommend to anyone who's interested in automated progress tracking is uh, we likely have customers that you already know. Uh, and we'd be delighted to give you references because we're very proud of the fact that our tool actually works, that it's very, very fast to implement. Um, and it helps projects get delivered on schedule and on time. Uh, amazing. So Rob, we're going to have to do a full episode, probably longer than 20 minutes on automated progress tracking. Cause as you know, I am a huge, huge fan, uh, of it and a super nerd into where the, the technology is going. So really, I, I never noticed. Gonna... Yeah. <laughs> Busted. Um, well, uh, any final thoughts? Uh, that was a great plug. Any other final thoughts you want to leave the viewers before we sign off? Nope. That's, that's pretty much it. Thanks for listening. And thanks Mika for having me on. Absolutely. Well, folks, that wraps it up for this week. We really appreciate you listening and following. And if you could please subscribe and share with your friends, it helps us uh, grow the community and bring on additional great guests for us at beyond deadlines. We'll see you next week.